Oh, hello there. Still listening, huh? We're so glad. Listen, if you get some value from the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would, I don't know, maybe tell a friend or two. That would be super duper. Anyways, guys, thanks for being the most important part of the show. We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. Hey everybody, what's up? I am Cameron. And I'm Willie. And you are watching the Other Side of Hell podcast. Yes. <laughs> What's up, dude? How are you? I am, I am good. I feel good. It's been a yeah. uh, a good day. I'm glad to be here with you. Good to be in the studio. Yeah. Good to talk about some stuff. Lots of action. Lots of action-packed day. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing a lot of stuff today. Yeah. Well, keeps you from being bored. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. Whatever keeps you from being bored. That's right, man. You know, uh. I uh, I want to talk about that today. You Why? know, boredom. Oh, yeah. Then my nemesis. Is it your nemesis? The, well, they say that. What is it? The Idle de- hands. The devil's playground. Idle hands are the devil's playground. Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever heard this? I know I've said it. I probably heard it. But have you ever have you have you ever said or heard somebody say, "Well, I just did it because I was bored." <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. It's been I mean, a while since I've said it. But. Right, right. But I feel like uh, uh, there was definitely, you know, some times in my own story where I contributed using and drinking to just lack of something better to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, that was the excuse you used, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, there was a lot of reasons why I was using and drinking, but... Mostly because you're alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the main the main the main reason but yeah it's funny man because i i kind of hear that a lot and you know and i've heard it you know also said in meetings that you're there's no there's no nothing's boring and they're just boring people okay and so it kind of it kind of made me think you know i i think that there is a lot of uh i know early in recovery for me when i would find myself without something to do it my first thought would be to do something negative. Mm-hmm. It was never like my first thought would be to do something positive. Yeah. I should which, go help somebody. I'm bored. I should go help somebody. I, I'm bored. I should clean. Yeah. I'm bored. I should, you know, like learn a new language. <laughs> it's not, it's just not how it works. Not, not, not sure. in my case. Like it did at one time. Like, sure. Honestly, like before, um, you know, I got to a certain point in my drinking and using, when I would find myself bored or without something to do, I would actually usually turn to like some creative writing. I'd be like, man, I'm going to write a little poem real quick yeah. about Nicolas Cage, you know, okay, getting his foot stuck in bubble gum and eating tubs of cottage cheese. I mean, just weird random stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. It was kind of like flexing those creativity <laughs> muscles. Yeah. But it got to a point where whenever I would find myself bored or with idle time, like I would automatically go to drinking and using mm-hmm. and, and, or, or I would automatically go to food. Like, what mm-hmm. kind of food can I eat? Like what's, what's going to change my way of being, you know, so I'm no longer feeling this discomfort. Cause that's kind of what being bored is. 
right? It's just, I'm uncomfortable, I'm restless, I, I feel like I need something to do, but I have nothing to do, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and so I wanted to talk about it because I think that there is something to be said about boredom. Like, boredom's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, boredom can really lead to a lot of good things, but, you know, I had to figure out what not to do when I was bored first. And then, you know, work it into something positive. Yeah. So when you hear that, like, you remember those times of being bored? Like, did you ever have that? Do you get bored? Like, are you boring? I don't think I'm boring. I don't know. Maybe I'm boring. My kids probably think I'm boring, you know, but, but yeah, boredom, boredom is a dangerous place. You know, we talk about it a lot in early sobriety, especially, you know, that, because we'll start we'll start grabbing for stuff you know boredom boredom is more of a feeling i think than an action it's like a that feeling that i have Mm -hmm. you know i feel bored i feel like and and we look around our immediate space and justify not doing anything that is needs to be done or that's on the to-do list you know because there's always something to do it's just finding the outlet that, that best suits whatever emotion or feeling I'm in, you know, and, and sometimes that's just so blank, especially in early sobriety where I'm really not connected with who I am or what I'm doing or where I'm going or how I'm feeling, you know, everything is coming off of the hills of so much trauma and dysfunction that, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my dopamine and chemical levels have fallen, you know, I've come off of, uh, you know, such a high for so long and, and, maybe you know comes after a moment of um like success or i've completed something it seems like it seems like when i'm riding that high like that pink cloud or whatever i never feel bored you know but coming off of the end of that which is a natural progression of ups and downs right mm-hmm. like we've said it so many times that you know this this recovery this journey is not linear it's it's not a straight line and so when i'm when i'm living up here uh, up in in the high zone of emotion and joy and excitement and success and freedom and and all the good things uh eventually that starts coming down you know but up, up here i don't feel bored i feel fulfilled and i feel excited and then when all that starts wearing off i start coming back down here and i get down here and i look around and not much has changed other than the way i feel about my life and i start looking for something to give me that next hit of excitement and joy and bring me back up to that that cloud nine level mm-hmm. and uh a lot of times you know what what got me excited before doesn't get me excited again you know what 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 made me not feel bored um doesn't doesn't make me not feel bored now you know thinking about doing the same thing again regardless of how it felt last time kind of seems boring you know and so monotony plays a big part of that you know i think you know uh and my border is this monotonous right you know kind right. of thing and uh the the important thing is is to get through it right regardless mm-hmm. of, of of that and hopefully you can get through it as as we have so many times with doing either uh something positive or at least not doing something negative yeah <laughs> like well that's... i i think that that's the biggest thing is like really you know, finding that space where I, I know what I'm not doing, like I can turn it into a, a positive, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can, could use that moment of boredom to fuel something new, sure. something exciting. Um, 
But like the important part is really knowing what not to do first. And so, you know, just like so many things in recovery, I had to unlearn a lot of stuff first. Mm -hmm. So I had to unlearn this, you know, immediate sort of response that I would feel in going after something negative to, to feel that, well, to cure the restlessness with something, right? With yeah. something external that I was going to put in my body that would just cure the discomfort that I feel from me being in a situation where I, I just, I, I'm crawling out of my skin for whatever reason, right? <laughs> and, and really sort of like unlearning that and then turning it into like an opportunity to, to do something positive. Yeah. Um, because I think about like, you know, even like being a kid and, you know, finding those moments where it's like a rainy day and you can't go outside and play. And it's like, oh, man, I'm so bored. You know, like, I don't know if you remember any any moments like that, but I doubt in those instances that I would sit around and fucking fantasize about doing drugs. Like, <laughs> I found something to do. You know what I mean? It would usually be something creative, like you know, like maybe play a video game or, you know, play a card game or interact with my brothers and sisters or whatever the case was, you know, like I was generally going to do something positive with that boredom, mm -hmm. depending on how you want to look at it. I might have, you know, taken a bunch of markers to the, the wall in the house or something like that as well. Seen that before too. Yeah. <laughs> but ultimately that is at least creative. Yeah. You know, experimenting with yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that it, it's, uh, it's, it's something that I, I like to think about uh, because I really do feel as though, you know, it gets a negative or bad rap, especially mm -hmm. within recovery, to be bored. But once we are able to, like I said, unlearn, you know, a certain, certain responses or behaviors associated with it, then we can really use it to, to do you know, a lot of things, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You know, I, I, I know that it, it, it can be a dangerous place. It can be. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's what, I think that's where all the angst comes from because most people, I don't think, think about it in the aspect that you're talking about where it's really an opportunity to do something different. You know, um, when we get so used to a certain way of living, right? It, naturally, it's going to get boring. And we hear that same kind of uh, thing when it comes to relationships or our career or anything that we do repetitively is at some point going to come become and seem boring, you mm -hmm. know? And so it's really up to us to, to kind of put a new spin on things or take responsibility for, for whatever it is that we're going through so that we can try to find a new outlet for the energy. Because what ends up happening is it, like my take on it is that we are really energetic and creative beings and we're placed, you know, we're, we're here in this life with so much time. And, and as time goes on, uh, I can get wrapped up in, what I consider responsibility to the point where it takes all of my creativity away, mm -hmm. you know? And so I start losing some of my funness and some of my, my, you know, my creative energy. I start losing that in my pursuit of 
making sure that everybody in my family is okay or, or whatever. And I think a lot of people do that. And we become this robot kind of like just, just kind of going through every motion, uh, as maybe as quickly as possible so that we can try to get to a point where we can relax. Like we're always looking for the opportunity to get the job done. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that, that really creates a, a, a straight line, boring individual. Like it just, you just become boring and stop exploring and stop, you know, working on the, the, things that that used to bring some excitement and Mm -hmm. stuff like that into your life and so it's really important to like step back and and kind of be like why am i feeling bored like what's going on with me that uh that i'm doing the same thing so much that i'm like losing interest in all Mm -hmm. these other things that used to interest me you know so like this this journey to self-discovery is so big right (laughs) there's so much to it you know and balance is a weird thing because we'll we'll be we'll be over here just just crushing it in one area and we'll start falling it off falling off in another you know and and so uh boredom isn't something that i run into a lot anymore right because it was such a problem and that's why i gained so much weight right right you know trying to be safe Mm-hmm. made me a boring person yeah and when i got bored like you were saying i turned to the food yeah sit on the couch fill up my brain with whatever's in the box because mm-hmm. then now i don't have to feel the feeling of boredom which scares me to death right right you know boredom scares me yeah the feeling scares me well, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that too. And I think that it's, it's funny because what, what you said, like something that you said that I really liked was, you know, I get to step back in those moments and say, okay, like, why am I bored? Like, what, what is it that I'm actually dealing with? Or what is it that I'm, you know, not dealing with that's causing that boredom, you know, like, or, or that discomfort, you know? And I think that it is easy to, try and just escape the reality of that emotion Mm -hmm. with food, with drugs, with TV, with masturbation, with, you know, like whatever, like all those things that we, all those negative behaviors that we turn to, like when we're bored, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, I, I really think that there is an opportunity in those moments to really, like you said, just kind of step back. And I think, if we can sit with that emotion and say, okay, what, what, is, what exactly is going on? Okay. I'm feeling uncomfortable. Like ultimately like I'm uncomfortable. Why, why am I uncomfortable? Well, you know, as it turns out, like there's, you know, maybe some tension between me and my girlfriend that I'm not really dealing with or some emotion, you know, you know, somewhere there is emotion that I, I'm not addressing or there I'm not dealing with. And so that's, what's led to my discomfort. And, I'm seeking to, you know, to not deal with that emotion through negative behavior. And that's what's led to my boredom. And so I think that if, and, and, and we should be this way, and most of the time I like to think that I'm this way, I, if I'm in the kind of mindset where I'm continuing to learn about myself and I'm continuing to discover these new things about myself, and especially in early recovery where... I don't know a damn thing about myself anymore, you know, um, and really just 
trying to discover all that, then it is an opportunity to learn something new about myself. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that I, I feel this way whenever, you know, this person's around or whenever I've interacted with that person or whenever I've found myself in this situation, I get, I get feeling like this and my reaction is always to do something negative, right? Self, and, some type of self-harm. Yeah, self-sabotage of some sort, right? And so, you know, sitting back and, and taking time to really analyze that emotion and that feeling I think is super, super important. Yeah. I think you touched on something really important with, with all that, you know, something that you said was like, it seems like there's something that I'm avoiding. There's some, you know, there's this, this thing going on, like you mentioned, you know, maybe it's with your girlfriend or your, well, your wife now, or, you know, somebody else, or there's some responsibility that I have that I'm not taking care of. And like, honestly, for me, like I will be going through stuff and I'll, I'll, all of a sudden everything will be done except for these couple of things, mm -hmm. right? Like, like maybe I need to insulate my garage or, uh, go weed the garden or something like that. And I'll stand there in that thought and try to avoid like, because it's something that I don't want to do. Right. Right. You mm -hmm. know? And so I'll, I'll get an uncomfortable feeling like you were talking about. And then the disease part of me will start rolling through scenarios of how to avoid it. And I'll start getting those reactions emotionally inside of myself. And I will identify it as boredom. Mm -hmm. Like I'll identify something. And I'll be like, well, I'm bored. <laughs> yeah. And then I start looking for a solution, right? Like the, the disease is so cunning, baffling and powerful that I will stand there in real time and watch the trickery begin to happen, you know, because, well, I'm bored. Maybe I ought to go for a ride. And, and where am I going for a ride to, you know, maybe past the liquor store. Right. And, and I have to remember that, that I have to be on defense all the time against this part of me that wants to destroy me mm -hmm. and idle time, boredom, um, self-loathing uh you know because that that goes hand in hand with boredom for me you know like like I, I don't feel that great about my life i'm bored there must be something wrong with me yeah you know i'll get on on you know one of the, one of the points we were bringing up was our phones like you know, right, right here's a great escape like now i'm i'm on my phone i'm looking at all these people's wonderful lives everybody's looking so exciting and and they don't seem bored. What's wrong with me? Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't measure up to this thing. Right. All of a sudden, I'm back into the negativity. Mm -hmm. You know? And that's not okay. Yeah. It's not even true. Right. It's yeah. a lie. It's just like that negative, that negative thinking will generally just begat more negativity. Yeah. It's like I'll, I'll be in that moment where... I feel uncomfortable. I identify as boredom. I pull out my phone and that now is like 100% um, what I do first or what I think about doing first, right? Is reaching for my phone. Like, ah, oh, this is some sort of entertainment. Ugh. This will take my mind off of whatever it is I'm not dealing with Sourced. properly. You know, and, 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 and I know I'm done looking at my phone when I feel like shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I go through my phone and... All of a sudden, I see, uh, 
you know, all the rhetoric that's on social media or the people that I'm jealous of or envious of or, you know, just whatever. Like at some point, like you said, I'm not measuring up. And so, oh, okay, well, I I adequately feel like shit enough. So I'm going to put my phone away and now I'm just bored and uncomfortable. Yeah. And And hungry. Yeah. And hungry and hating on myself. And it's funny because you also talked about like going for a drive. Where am I going to go for a drive? Like maybe by the liquor store, you know, and like I have done that not with a liquor store, but like, I, you know, I've been, been around the house. Oh man, I'm so restless. And just, I just need to get out of here. I just need to get out of the house. Where am I going to go? I don't know, but maybe, you know, I found myself at the grocery store, or, Yeah, or you know, like drive through. Yeah, exactly. Like buying a bunch of shit that I don't need that led to, you know, ultimately like another binge that, yeah. And so it was like that boredom led to a defeat, you mm-hmm. know? And so, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, it does feel like a scary place. It's, it can be dangerous. Yeah, and it does feel dangerous, you know? But I think that when we go into boredom even deeper, like, there's something more that's happening. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there is something outside of quote-unquote boredom that's that's occurring. And, like, the thing is, is that Really, what makes the difference is my response to it because yeah. I can take that and and see it as a call to action. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what's going on? Like, why am I feeling bored? Like, why am I feeling uncomfortable? Okay, well, maybe I am having this issue with this individual and I need to A, talk to the individual or B, find a healthy outlet to deal with it, right? Like, maybe I need to do some creative writing or regular writing or, you know, journaling or something around the situation, some four step work, you know, like whatever the case, the case is like, Mm -hmm. there's probably going to be a healthy response. And it doesn't mean that I'm immediately dealing with that issue. What I'm dealing with is the discomfort. Yeah. Because it's not always a situation that I can deal with right away, but I can deal with the emotion of feeling uncomfortable for sure by taking the appropriate action and not just compounding it with additional negative behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I use for that, you know, it's a great point. One of the things that I use for that, you know, because we can set ourselves up for, for success around boredom. You know, we can, we can create a life uh, that is so on point that regardless of how we feel, we can, we can win regardless of how we feel. And, and one of those things that I use is an average schedule. Okay. And so, you know, um, it's not, it's not hard to find reasons to be bored. It's not hard to find things to avoid. It's not hard to, you know, step into negativity or binge on any, you know, I mean, pick your vice, right? you know, (laughs) food, phone, uh, fun, whatever. But, uh, just, just out of example, you know, one of the tools that I use is, is this, uh, early, like early wake up times. Okay. Let's take that for example, because I want to create enough wins throughout my day so that regardless of where I'm at, I feel deserving of fulfillment in, in myself, you know? So, uh, in my morning I have, I have a, a, a ritual, a schedule that I follow and that helps alleviate boredom. So, when, when I know the next thing that's coming up or I have options within that next thing that's coming up within that next time frame, you know, then I have a choice that I can make. So I get up in the morning, I, I go throughout 
I drink my water, start my coffee, brush my teeth, go into my positive uh, affirmation listening. And then I hop on the computer. I start doing stuff for work or the podcast, you know, but those things are, are averaged out, right? Like I know that between 4.30 and 5, I'm going to be doing either bill tracking or something for the podcast. And then from 5 to 5.30, I'm going to be, uh, you know, working on whatever book I'm reading. And then from 5.30 to 7, I'm going to be doing my workouts. And if I do that, you know, if I have that in place, mm -hmm. it's a safety net for me from getting bored because I'll finish one thing and I'll go, okay, and now I can just sit here sure. or I can step into the next thing that needs to be done. And like with, through experimentation and practice and failure, you know, I found that like doing the next thing that needs to be done on the list, having the list and, and doing the next thing on it makes me feel better than not doing it, mm -hmm. you know, and then go throughout my day. I know that I'm going to be going to work and then I know after work there's some things that need to be done. And if I have those things scheduled out, if I have those things already in place, you know, whatever I'm doing with the kids or for dinner or bath time, you know, my evening ritual, I know that. Every day I'm going to call you, you know, I'm going to call another alcoholic every day throughout that day. I'm going to do something for the podcast. I'm going to do something for my career. I'm going to do something for my family. I'm going to do something for service. And so like having those fail safes create some type of like, like safe. it's a safety net mm -hmm. from boredom mm -hmm. because I think boredom is dangerous. Yeah. I'm afraid of it. I'm afraid of where it can lead me. Like, mm. like what if, what if I get so fucking bored? I decide that I'm going to drink. Right. God, what a scary thing to do. Sure. You yeah. know? So we can set ourselves up mm -hmm. to be, you know, somewhat prepared for that. Cause we know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it makes me think too, like what, I mean, what you're saying ultimately is that the way that we combat boredom is with routine. Oh, okay. Or, you know, or a schedule. Yeah. And, and, One it, of the ways. and it makes me think too, like, because earlier we talked a little bit about how the monotonous of a routine <sighs> can, can lead to boredom. And so what do we do in those instances where our routine or, you know, the, the things that we do on a daily basis or sort of our, our, our regular day to day, like no matter how scheduled it is or how structured it is, what do we do in those moments where we do sort of lose a little bit of motivation or, you know, we, we find ourselves, uh, you know, not being as fulfilled by it as we once were. And the boredom like starts to creep in a little bit like, oh, man, I'm sort of getting bored with this workout. I'm sort of getting bored with, you know, my yeah. kids, my wife. Like, I think I want to, you know, just get some uh, hookers and blow. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what do we, what do we do with that? Yeah. What do we do with that? You know, like those, those feelings. Cause I know like I, I definitely have like for me right now, things for things to be boring is good. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, like people will ask me how are, how are things going? I'm like, things are actually really good. Like, you know, things with the wife are good. Like things with the career are good. Like things here are good. Like things all around sort of look good, nice and boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like I like it. Yeah. But what do we do when we get in those instances like where it's maybe it, it's it's boring and it's negative? Yeah. You know, like it 
it, it does get monotonous. And what do we, what do we, what, I, what do you do? There's, there's, there's no, there's no happy answer for this. <laughs> just so you know. Well, like, when you say happy, you mean easy? Like there, there comes a point where you have to get really, uh, you, you have to get like really focused and just recognize that you fucking have to do the next thing regardless of how you feel. Mm. Right. You, you have to like, for me sometimes, because what you're saying is, is so like, it's such a bummer. Right. And, and I want to have fun all the time and feel good all the time. But there, there are times where I'm going to feel that way and I have to literally make myself do it. Sure. You know, because if I don't, like I've experimented with it enough, like I've, and we've talked about this, like I've waited to feel like doing something, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that, that's the answer. Like when it, when it gets down to that and the motivation is gone and the excitement of it's gone, I have to look at my responsibility of who I am. Who am I? Who's this person that I've created? What are my responsibilities in my life? You know, and, and I go back to, like in order, what is the most important thing in my life? Number one, my sobriety. Without my sobriety, I have fucking nothing. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't get to go drink. All right, next, motherfucker. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? yeah. Right, you know, I, sometimes I have to shut my disease up and, and be like, I hear you. You're fucking bored. But guess what? We're making the phone call. I hear you. We're bored. But guess what? We're doing the workout. I hear you. We're bored, but guess what? We're, we're going to work. We are doing the next thing. And I kind of take uh, savage control over my psyche and push through that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because it's the only choice I have. I have to start looking at it like my life is on the line with this little thing. Mm-hmm. And it seems so ridiculous, but I've watched so many people go back out because they weren't willing to just shut it down and do what was necessary to stay within their program. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen them give up, give in. I, I'm bored out of my gourd. So I'm going to drink some more. Right. And they fucking die. Mm-hmm. You know, um, creating a life that's worth living is a big safety net as well. You know, when, when you create the man that you want to be and that you want to give to the world, when you become the highest version of Cameron, it makes it harder for you to justify negative behavior, regardless of how you feel. Right. 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 So when, when, when Cameron comes in as the husband that Brianna deserves through his actions, the guy that you've become over the past year, over the past two years, the, the one that's sitting here doing the podcast, as you create this person boredom no longer becomes an option to sit in right that emotion has to be left and the action has to take place regardless of how you feel because now you're responsible you're responsible to brianna you're responsible to the podcast to our listeners to your co-workers you know the the the, uh people that rely on you and so boredom as a child is a lot different than boredom as an adult right boredom as a child is is you know, it's probably a little bit more okay, but as an adult, we don't get a sit in it. That's mm-hmm. all there is to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what that's what I do when the monotony of routine becomes really great and confusing and overwhelming because it does. Like sure. for everybody, anybody that 
that has any amount of discipline that's willing to share this stuff on on this type of platform will say you're not going to feel like it right you're not going to do it anyway mm-hmm. that's the answer <laughs> yeah yeah nobody nobody ever really wants to hear like suck it up as an answer like <laughs> I mean, yes. and that's the bottom line is like, sometimes you've got to power through it. And like, what I've noticed in my experience is that if I can get through those moments, like the motivation will return. Yeah. You know, like, like, yeah, I might have a day or two here or there where I don't want to do it or I don't feel like it. And sometimes it is hard to fucking just do it anyways. Yeah. Sometimes it really is like taking it like I think about this with working out especially right and it's like I'm just going to take this one fucking exercise at a time right yeah, now yeah one rep at yeah, a time yeah exactly like I don't want to do it I can at least do this next fucking rep right and then you know get through it and then you know like two days later I might be just fine mm-hmm. with the same workout with the same circumstances or, or whatever the case is and so obviously and I think that that's important for me to remember like when I have those moments of feeling bored, this will pass. Like I just, you know, I just need to get through it, especially when it's boredom because of monotony. Mm-hmm. I just need to do it anyways. I'm not always going to feel like it. I'm not always going to, you know, be super hyped about it. Like I just need to do it anyways because I do. I have a responsibility. Like I recognize the importance of the action that I'm about to take. And by doing it anyways, I am telling that part of myself to shut the fuck up, (laughs) which is important for me to do every now and again. Yeah. And so like when I can get through those moments, then, you know, a day or two goes by and it's like, oh, look, I'm better. I'm better. You know, like what? I mean, think about what it would have been like or what my life would look like today had I given into that urge to just fuck off that day. I'd be hating myself right now. Like, you know, who knows where I would be, but I wouldn't be happy that I didn't do it. Well, you've done that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so you know how it feels, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can, we can always make it fucking worse. Right. Right. We can always make it worse. Mm-hmm. Like I can always choose to make. well, I'm, this is the, ex, this is, this is the emotion. This is the one that I'm going to go ahead and use to burn my life to the ground. Right. You know, yeah. no. No, mm-hmm. people are, people are so much stronger than they give themselves credit for and the disease, but uh, you know, they are, the, but the disease is way more powerful than I, I like to give it credit for too sometimes. And so I have a healthy, healthy respect for the disease of alcoholism. Sure. You know, and I have a, a healthy fear of what it can do for me. Like I never want to get to the point where I think I got this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, boredom and and uh, like dropping my guard against that thing can take me back out because I've seen it yeah. happen to other people, you know, and I've seen where me not taking action can lead me, you know. Uh, and so like to, I, I have to believe in myself and I have to believe in the process and I have to believe that. I can talk about this stuff. Um, I have to, you know, I have to move into action all the time. And it turns out the best action for boredom for me is service. Mm, Sure. Yeah. 
you know, like, like service will always cure my boredom. The shitter of it is, is like, I'll talk myself out of it. Well, yeah, because that becomes a task. Yeah. And I feel like I want to be bored. Well, I feel like when we're bored, our natural inclination is not, not to do something that is, that is deemed a task. (laughs) Right. Like I want to do do something entertaining, quote unquote, entertaining. Yeah. You know, like fun. Yeah, exactly. Like I want to, you know, go to a movie or I want to, you know, like. I want to escape reality somehow. Yeah. And what we don't realize is that service is a great way to do that. Yeah. The best. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The best and most healthy and constructive way to do that. But, you know, we, we want to do what we think is easiest and I want to do what I think is easiest. And I think it's easier to like turn the TV on. Look, all I had to do was push a button. And there's Nicolas yeah. Cage stepping in bubblegum, eating tubs of cottage cheese. <laughs> yeah, somebody somebody else already wrote it. Somebody wrote that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, so I think that uh, it, it it's funny because I, I, I recognize that there's always opportunity to do those positive things whenever we get those idle moments. But that's not where my mind goes when I have those opportunities yeah like it it just generally goes to something mind-numbing and dumb mm-hmm. which sounds like drugs and alcohol to me sounds like disease it sounds like my phone it sounds like the tv it sounds like yeah you know all the other ways i get to escape yeah and and here's the thing for people to remember it's important for me to remember and you and you you talk about it quite a bit you know the thought isn't a crime. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Thinking about, I mean, insert whatever, you know, thinking about binge watching TV, binge watching porn, going out for a food binge, thinking about drinking, thinking about cheating, thinking about fighting, thinking about any negative behavior that used to serve me in the past. It's not a crime to have that thought. Right. It's probably natural. And I'm going to go there. And I'm going to go there every chance I have. You know, there was a long time throughout my entire life habitually trying to find ways to change the way that I felt. Mm-hmm. And getting bored and feeling bored and wanting to fix that is no different. I'm, I'm feeling a certain way and I want to fix the way that I feel. Right. Ultimately, I don't like the way that being bored feels. If I did, I would stay there. And I wouldn't try to do anything about it. But boredom seems to bring in this, this like low level depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. this, this mm-hmm. fear, all, and it's not like super out of control, you know, it's not like a panic attack. It's not, you know, boredom is like, could, could you explain what, like, let's say nobody's ever felt boredom. Can you tell me what boredom feels like? Yeah. It feels like sitting, sitting on the bottom of the ocean and just being there. <laughs> You know what I mean? It that just feels sound very fun. It just feels sluggish and dumb. Yeah. And 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 that's when you're talking about, you know, all these different ways that boredom feels, that's what I imagine. It's just, you know, because it doesn't it's not like a panic. No. I mean, it can be, but for the most part it just feels blah. Yeah. All right? And just stagnant and not moving and just yuck. 
Yeah, exactly. Blah. Just, you know. Blah. Right. Yeah, meh. Meh is what the kids meh. say. Kids, meh. The kids are saying meh. Meh. And I want to change it. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't I don't like it. I don't like meh. Meh. Right. And then, and, oh, well, let's figure out the quickest, easiest way to change it. Right? Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, it's, it's experiment. Try some different stuff. What I would suggest is don't do things you know don't work. There you go. Realize uh, that we've we've all done a lot of experimenting up until this point. Yeah, and and recognize what doesn't work. Uh, you know, if you're an alcoholic in in, in sobriety, you know, going back to drinking probably isn't going to help. You know, if you're a compulsive overeater in abstinence right now, you know, going back to the food isn't going to help. Um, you know. Um, if you're trying to get sober and, and you're bored, continuing to drink probably isn't going to help. Like, there's a lot of outlets. There's a lot of places that you can go. There's a lot of people that you can talk to on social media or at a meeting or, you know, a therapist or, or whatever, you know, to try to figure out what behavior it is you're trying to change. And, and if you can get into a space where you can accept some help and you can, you know, try some different stuff... Go back and be childlike, mm-hmm. you were saying. Mm-hmm. Get creative. You know, everybody has creativity within them. Everybody right. has yeah. some some special gift, whether it's, you know, maybe you go back. Like, we get so lost from the things that we used to enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, through, through just life. You know, for us, alcoholism and drug addiction took most of that stuff away and when we came back into sobriety we were this new empty shell the only thing that we had was our past trauma and a new life in front of us and it took a long time to start remembering some of the things that we used to enjoy sure. and re reconnecting with you know you can always go go and and buy a new set of paints you know try that again sure um but or whatever you know you can get a new yeah. guitar insert know? hobby here yeah yeah uh but try something try something yeah uh, try try something that isn't what you've already tried that that didn't work yeah, yeah. that didn't work you know and if the the boredom doesn't pass instantly congratulations you're normal yeah <laughs> like, there's fucking nothing wrong with you yeah you know um some sometimes you just wake up in a different mood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's funny too, because I'm glad that you said that about congratulations. There's nothing wrong with you because it's easy for me. And, and, I, and I've said this before, like I always want to be thinking there's something wrong with me. Like there sure. is something wrong with me. Like, it, well, there's something with me. I don't know if I want to say wrong with me. There's something with me and it's that I'm an alcoholic. And, and the nature of that means that, there's going to be moments where I feel like I'm uncomfortable. And if, and if I am feeling bored, it's going to be easy for me to go, why am I feeling bored? Like, why can't I just sit in this moment? Why can't I just enjoy what I'm doing? Why can't I, why can't I this? Why can't I that? You know, like, because of the nature of the disease is going to try and talk me into, there's something wrong with me. You need to do something to fix it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I can take that and say, I need to do something negative or I can take it and be like, eh, shut the fuck up. Like, you know, I got this. I got this from here. Like, I'll take it, you know, like, and do something positive. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, if, 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 if I had to sum it up in, in sort of a nutshell, 
you know, for me. Uh, I am human. Out mm-hmm. uh, of out of everything that I am, I'm I'm a human being, you know, and we all people are right. So there's some similarities that we're all going to have, and so if if I be human, then I'm going to, uh, in order to set myself up for success within the realm of boredom, because I've tried so many different things, I would say, set yourself up some type of disciplinary structure. Right. If you want to save yourself from defeat in boredom, because you're not going to save yourself from boredom, it's going to come. Mm-hmm. Monotony is going to come. Mm-hmm. It's part of the human condition. Um, if you want to set yourself up for success within that realm, you know, set a disciplinary action, stick to it daily, regardless of how you feel. I mean, you decide what that is. You decide what that disciplinary action is and commit to that. Even though commitment is hard, right. trust me, I know, right? Like, I, I'm the guy that said, I can't commit. I can't commit. I, I will fail at this commitment. And you might. I have at all my commitments. Every commitment I've ever made, I have failed at at some point and then got back up because mm-hmm. I demand perfection from myself or whatever. If, if it's not perfect, it's not success. All that's bullshit, right? So... Do the best you can within that commitment, right? Start with with one thing, right? Maybe it's maybe it's calling somebody every day. Maybe it's leaving a, a positive comment on uh, uh, social media or texting some. You decide what that disciplinary action is. You know, for me, I mentioned some of mine. It's the wake up time. It's the diet. It's the exercise. It's you know now. It's looking at financial responsibilities, fatherhood you know, employment, you know, set those things up because when the, then when the boredom comes, you can, you can get to a point where you're like, hello, my old friend. Right. Right. Have a seat. We're going to be here for a while and I guess we'll just work it out. Mm -hmm. Right. I refuse to die because of a way that I feel now. I'm not going to die because of a way that I feel now. I'm going to go through it. Because I've set those things up. I've practiced them. I've talked to you about it. We've tried different things together. We've mentioned them on the show. Uh, you know, do that and continue to do that and recognize that it's going to come and you will get through it because people are amazing. Mm-hmm. People are amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and, <laughs> yeah. What, what, what did you say? Buck the fuck up. Yeah. 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 Just suck it up. Man. Suck it up. Yeah. Suck it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I agree that, uh, that, that people are amazing. We get to meet so many people, you know, through, through this, this podcast. And, and, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that opportunity and, you know, that I want to talk about our, our, our war story, who is one of those people. Um, our war story today yeah. is, uh, it's Chris, Chris, um, Chris Smitty, absolutely Smitty's insist corner. on having a good time. Yeah. Boredom's not an option. Yeah. Boredom is not an option. I mean, maybe he gets bored, but he doesn't fall into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing is like Chris, Chris's journey. He's been on it for a minute. I, I dare say that there's been moments, you know, where he's, he's, he's been bored. Yeah. You know, and turns out he's, he's still doing all right. Yeah. 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's so, fucking quite amazing. That's a chunk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good shit, man. And and he, he yeah, he refuses to to give up on 
uh, and allow some bullshit emotion or feeling or fear or anything to take him back out. And like he does such a great job of of delivering that message. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got some great points in his story that you know point directly to that. Right. Yeah. So exactly. Well, I, uh, I I think he probably tells it better than I can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He did a really, really good job. I'm really grateful for his story, and, uh, and I can't wait to share it with everybody. So with that, here is Chris's war story. Well, first off, uh, Chris, I'm definitely an alcoholic. Uh, I think it's important to remind myself that every day. Uh, I've been sober for about... Uh, over 10 years and some change january 1st of 2010 was my uh sobriety date it wasn't planned like that like not like a new year's resolution or anything i just kind of happened to fall on that date um but uh yeah so um basically my story in a nutshell um i would say i i got a, a father who's got the gift i got a brother who's got the gift and then you know i hit the jackpot as well and we're a very canadian family and grew up in uh, a lot of our, all we did was play hockey and, and, uh, drink pretty much. I mean, we were pretty blessed with being able to play. It's an expensive sport and create some memories and whatnot. But, um, I wanted to be like my brother and my brother probably wanted to be like my dad. And, um, we all wanted to be successful, uh, in our family, there's about, uh, six to seven, uh, family members, uh, in our extended family as well that have played in the NHL. Um, so that was always the route. Um, so I fell into that and, uh, basically I left home, uh, at 17, I moved to British Columbia and it's 19 to drink out there. And I wanted to fit in and fit in with the guys. And, um, I didn't really know how to say no. And I didn't really understand my gift yet. And, uh, you know, I, I guess a prime example, one of the first nights that I got there, there was a, a buddy that had asked me, one of my teammates, we there's only two of us in town and he had asked me if I wanted to go out for a drink and one turned it two, And he was like, I thought we were just going to have a drink. And I'm like, let's get a picture. And then it was off to the races. And, you know, we brought some, uh, girls back that night in our bill at home and they were not, uh, too pleased. And, uh, it was a, a terrible idea. Really. Um, uh, my billet or host family were actually two RCMP members, one Bob and Jan, um, awesome people, but, they had a seven-year-old kid and they were just basically like, this can't happen. And that was probably, you know, that was, that was really, uh, the start of it. But so, um, that was kind of the name of the game was playing hockey and figuring out a way to be able to be successful and use, uh, for me. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, what do you talk about with your story? I guess, I mean, for me, I'm going to fast forward it. And I'm going to go from, I started off playing junior hockey. I'm going to go up to, you know, pretty much where I hit my bottom and my disease had progressed. And we talk about, you know, I'll never drink after a nine or I'll never drink after 11 or only I'll try only drinking wine or I'll try only drinking vodka or I'll only drink vodka so I can cut the calories or maybe I'll just try smoking weed for a little while, try the, you know, uh, marijuana maintenance program. And then it's like, Oh, like, I'm not as bad as like another guy who throws Coke up their nose. It's a chemical, it's nasty. And then it's like, Oh, next thing you know, like I'm throwing Coke up my nose. And, um, it just, uh, I found myself wanting to use and preoccupying every single day. And the moment that I woke up, like I felt so much anxiety, um, just to be able to 
you know, make sure that I was going to find some relief for the day, whatever drug of choice that, that might've been. Um, and when I, when I moved to, I ended up going D3 playing hockey out there. I got kicked off the hockey team before the season started that year. I, you know, was found with a gas mask on my face and smoking weed. And I think I had been in three fights and I was seeing the Dean and I pulled the carbon monoxide alarm. I was messed up and I thought it was an intercom. I just thought it'd be funny to talk to somebody while I was messed up and the alarm went off and I was as shocked as everybody else. Um, but, uh, long story short, there was like last two weeks there and, um, I sold, uh, my Xbox, you know, for some Coke, I was out of money and just scavenging, you know, doing whatever it took to be able to get high and, um, wasn't proud of myself, was super ashamed. And I found myself wanting to isolate in my dorm and, uh, I actually, uh, I got into a fight, was drunk in public and then tossed in the drunk tank. My mom found out and then she wrote me a goodbye letter. She's very well versed in, um, detaching with love and not enabling. And she just said that you're not welcome home. You know, you're not going to jeopardize your father's sobriety, or your brother's sobriety. And you're, you know, you can't come home until you get six months clean or live in a sober house or, you know, whatever the case may be. And my initial reaction was I absolutely fucking hate her. And I emailed her back, you know, saying that you gave birth to me and mother, you know, coming from her own womb and everything is like disowning me. And I was so angry. I told her I didn't want you for any of the milestones in my life and pretty ruthless back. And then, you know, I, I just, uh, I kind of always knew that it was probably going to end up going that direction, but, um, I finally said yes and I'll go to treatment. And, uh, my sister was going to come up and, um, on the day I knew she was coming up, everybody was sober in my family. So I just thought, you know, like we had drank before together and whatever, if I'm going to go to rehab, I'm going to, you know, drink or use until I go to rehab. And I just remember having, um, like a handle of Jack Daniels in the fridge. That was it. Like there's no food, nothing. And I woke up that morning. I knew she was coming later. I'm like, all right, we're not going to drink till she gets here. And then it was, man, like I can probably just have one shot or like, man, I can have, you know, half the bottle. And after that it was, it was gone. And I left the door open knowing that I probably wasn't going to be able to move with a pail or a trash can right under my dorm bed. And I was laying on my stomach, just expecting that I was probably going to puke and I wasn't feeling well. I'll never forget the look on my sister's face when she walked in and she saw, you know, her, her brother at that point, um, in my use. So anyway, long story short, uh, or getting shorter. Um, you know, we packed up my stuff and I ended up rolling seven joints for the car ride home. And, um, I think we had like four days, four or five days until I was, you know, able to actually fly to Minnesota to get sober, go to rehab there. And I ended up drinking the airport. And so I ended up, uh, I went to Hazelden, um, at first, actually it was kind of crazy. It's a good story. Um, my parents, they owned a mortgage company for about 25 years. And then during the 08, 09, uh, market crash, you know, their business went belly up and they always thought that they could outwork everything. Um, that was not the case as it was for a lot of people. So at the point where I needed help the most, we didn't have any money. And, uh, my dad called up Hazel in and basically, you know, got to director and he was just like, look, I got my wife's wedding ring and a boat left that hasn't been repossessed. You know, what, what can I, 
how do I get my kid to rehab? And the other guy kind of broke down into tears and his dad had done something similar to him and they admitted me and gave me a scholarship for the first 28 days. So when I was there, they recommended me to extend it for another three months. And I said that I was willing to go. I want to go, but we're not going to be able to afford it. So she was like, Chris, I want you to write a letter and say how bad you want it. So I did. I poured my heart out on this letter. And then like people started coming up to me that had worked at Hazel and there was like, that was, you know, really good, blah, blah, blah. A couple of days went by. And then I found out that I've been granted, you know, an entire uh, 90 day stay. And I, I, to my knowledge and what was conveyed to me is that had never been done before because society or people believe that young people in sobriety can't stay for lifelong and it's a waste of money. So, um, that was cool. And then did that. Um, meanwhile, giving up basically the love of my life, which was hockey and, uh, wanting to continue to pursue my dream of playing in the NHL. So I got, I got sober, um, in treatment. I was about four months sober, went back home. I was to do 90 and 90. And then I remember my first meeting, like I drove up and sat in the parking lot, watched a bunch of goofy characters go into uh, Brighton Hospital in Michigan. I, I think that's where Eminem went the first time he got sober. That's what I heard. And anyway, so um, sat in the parking lot, waited an hour, didn't go in, went back home. My parents asked me how the meeting was, and I was just like, I tried. I sat in the parking lot, and then I drove home. And my dad laughed because my dad had done exactly that. Um, but then uh, anyway, so I ended up doing 90 and 90. Um, met some people who was okay. Didn't love, you know, sobriety in Michigan. Uh, I guess maybe I was a little bit of a, a snob about it. You know, we, we uh, I don't know. I meet a lot of, see a lot of commonalities, you know, newly in sobriety um, with entitlement and stuff. And anyway, so um, at that point, you know, I was about to stay sober that summer um, I wanted to continue playing hockey. So then, uh, my cousin called me, said that I could get a shot playing in the Southern professional hockey league, uh, in Huntsville, Alabama. So I, <laughs> I had no money. I raised enough money after a garage sale selling all my shit. I bought a car and then, and I packed up everything down there. And then, uh, uh, you know, I ended up wait. I was there early cause I wanted to hang out with my cousin, wanted to train, wanted to get to know the guys and stuff. And, it's uh, in, in professional hockey, everything is paid for. Your apartment's paid for. Every little necessity is paid for. When you're getting paid, whatever it is, it wasn't much, but it was cool to say you get paid to do what you love to do. It's like 500 bucks a week. But, you know, you take that money. Most guys are spending it on coke, weed, drinking, you know, another story for the boys in the locker room. And uh, it sucks when you're first initially sober and trying to fit in and getting to know the guys and you feel like a fucking alien. You know, so I had to really figure out, you know, what's more important fitting in and having a good time or do I want my fucking life? And I wanted my fucking life. So every day um, I heard some guy in a meeting at that point in time. Uh, he was like, it's really easy to be spiritual on top of a mountain. I was like, well, I fucking need all the help that I can get. So there was a mountain next to us down in Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, I would bike up about probably an hour and I would just sit at this cliff and I just overlooked the town and I'd literally pray. I don't know who you are. I don't know how to do this. Um, I know I can't do this by myself. I know that Chris left his own devices will fuck this up. I'm scared to death and I don't want to use, and I want to pursue my dream. Please help me. That was pretty much the sum of it. I do that every single day. 
<clears throat> and, uh, you know, meanwhile you come back and the guys are smoking weed and whatnot. And anyway, so some time went by, there was one night where there was nobody in the apartments and it was, get, it was eating at me, man. It was like what my dad had always said, you know, like you can only stay around the fire before you get burned or like, you know, hang around the barber, you know, shop, you're going to get a haircut, you know? So it was like, <laughs> I was sitting there all by myself. I knew that one of the guys had a bag of weed in their room and every my skin was so fucking uncomfortable i'm like dude just shut your thoughts up just that committee was just going off in my head and like like use don't use like you'll blow everything you know like what about like that scholarship and going to hazelden you're almost a year now and you know it's just like i just couldn't take it i was so uncomfortable but in in hindsight you know it was just i was in the wrong wrong place to be successful with my new goals and and i had to go through that to be able to identify that but to this day like sitting in there i found this dude's weed back to stealing found this dude's weed i roll up a joint and i'm just like i put it up to my face and i'm about to light it i'm like just fucking light it just fucking just shut everything up just fucking light it i'm like there was one thought and i was just like if i do this this is never going to stop so immediately i threw it down i packed up my shit nobody they were like what the fuck you know like <laughs> i packed up all my shit i grabbed my hockey gear said goodbye to my dream and uh i drove 16 hours and i was talking to my dad for like nine hours on the way home like i have to like i can't like my cousin was calling me he was like Where, where'd you go and i'm like i like i can't like i <laughs> i want my life to this day i know for a fact that that was god in the room with me there's no way because chris Chris left at his own devices with smoke, especially if it was free, you know, stolen. I'm going to smoke it, you know, <laughs> it's what I do. So, uh, you know, that was one of my first experiences, praying every day, biking up to that mountain. People can, you can take it however you want to take it, or I can take it however I want to take it, or people can be like, that's not God, that's God. You know, it, here's, here's what I know. It doesn't matter to me to be right. Like we had talked about before, what matters is, is that I choose to call that my higher power. And to this day, I know that was, um, you know, God in the room with me and, um, you know, it doesn't matter to be right. What matters is to be alive and healthy and, and to pursue. So, um, at that point I called up a buddy that I went through treatment with and he was like, yo, you should come to step up. You can finish getting your degree, go to Augsburg. They got an awesome program, kids from all over. And, we basically have like a sober uh, dorm and, and there's a flat and uh, with 10 guys, there's basically three flats up there. There's like two dudes flats and then a girl's flat and we had ping pong tables and all that stuff. And anyway, it really just provided me a safe environment for me to be able to, you know, work the 12 steps or my program to hang out with other sober dudes and uh, to go to meetings and to go to school and to have kind of uh, that support system. So, um, you know, I'm not, I, I didn't get sober to be fucking miserable. I didn't like, I wouldn't be sober. Like, I, I just didn't get sober to be miserable. Like I want to have fun. Like I want to have fucking fun. You know, like I'm, I'm not going, I'm, I'm not going to like isolate myself and you know, whatever, but <clears throat> I wouldn't be sober if I, if I didn't want to have fun and I want to have fun. And I think you can have even more fun in sobriety. And I think I made a post about this the other day, like it, for me, I would say the reason why I'm sober, like to this day with almost 12 years now is because I surround myself with like-minded people. I, I listen to my body or I listen to my mind, my heart, my soul. And I'm just like, if I feel weird, just me fucking negative, large it. Like I, I'm not going out. 
that's just not going to happen. I wanted to have fun and I was hanging out with other like-minded people and uh, working my program. So that really helped me to be able to finish uh, going to school and, and to stay sober. And it bought me some more time and uh, in recovery. And anyway, it allowed me for some more time to be able to practice my program. It allowed me to develop and um, it gave me about, <clears throat> you know, four five years and then I ended up moving home because after you know traveling around playing hockey um you know I wasn't making sober happy memories with my family you know I was always you know preoccupying around holidays and like you know I, I couldn't enjoy Christmas because I just wanted to get high or drunk or I wanted to go somewhere so my brother came up and he was like look man like you know you've been away from home and we got sober so we could enjoy you and you know we can all enjoy each other and um mom and dad are getting older. So I moved back to Michigan and, um, it was awesome. You know, I got to create more memories with my family and, um, I figured out, uh, my occupation, which was sales. Never knew I wanted to do sales. Started off at, uh, came home for a sales gig. My brother kind of talked me into it. It turned out to be a shit show, but through that shit show, just like anything kind of like when it gets a little stormier, it's a tough time. Good stuff comes out of it. And for me, I, identified that I'm actually extremely extroverted and I don't know, it just, uh, it seemed to work. So wanted a track record in sales. Um, and then, uh, did the whole lifetime fitness, uh, gym thing for a bit and then moved to it sales now. Um, but, um, it's cool, man. So you, you know, you get sober, I've been sober now almost 10 years and there's just so many different like encompassing things that I was talking about with my brother that contribute to long-term sobriety. But, you know, I'm kind of a character and I'm very forthwith about my sobriety and I take it that seriously, or I make jokes about it where it's like, you know, people are like, do you want to go to happy hour? And I'm like, uh, do you want to end up in fucking Vegas? I'm going to steal your wallet and probably, you know, have sex with your wife. No, I don't want to go to fucking happy hour with you. And they kind of laugh a little bit and I kind of laugh back and they're like, it kind of, they're like, yeah, it probably won't, you know, that's cool. I'm like, how about this? How about we do a happy hour where we go to like top golf and it'd be cool if nobody drank and I could show you guys how to have a good time without being, you know, messed up. And for the people that showed up, you know, we have a good time and we crack up and you know, it's, you show people you're a leader, you show people how to have fun, you know, in a different sort of aspect that they might ignore me might not get which is another blessing of like the program and working the steps and whatnot so um you know i could talk about this stuff for hours i'm not very good at like having a very concise for like 25 minutes for me i mean you can go to you can go to my page or whatever i literally my dad kind of surprised me he's like why have you been sober for 10 years chris and i was like well i don't i guess we're on this i guess i'll chat about it but it's like i want to have fun um, I want to work my program and, uh, I want to be successful. And at the end of the day, nothing fucking matters. Like everything that's going on in 2020, like nothing fucking matters except for staying fucking sober and carving out your space and continuing to make memories with like-minded people and, you know, enjoying the process, like getting tied up in all the other bullshit. Just, it's just, I don't know. It's just a waste of time for me. So, but <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sober. Just, <clears throat> I think I just uh, listen to that intuition a little bit. Where if I'm feeling a little bit like I don't trust myself, or I'm having some negative thinking, or 
um, any of that stuff, I make sure to, to stay close to the program or call some guys, talk some ears off or pray or, you know, be of service. That's the best thing that you can, that's the best thing that works for me is like getting outside of my head, you know, because I can, like I said, drive myself into the ground. So being of service kind of is like a key role, you know, medication. So it's weird because you feel like selfish that you want to help people because you know that you're going to get like, you know, that relief or whatever. It's, it's kind of, it's funny, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any questions? Uh, yeah, I have a question. <laughs> yeah. How'd you get to be such a badass? Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Thank you, yeah. Chris. That was amazing. I love yeah. that he mentioned service right there. Yeah. You know, like that's the key. You fucking bored ghosts be of service. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there, we were yeah. just talking about, you know, yeah. like he, he talked about how that that's always the way for him to get out of his head. Mm-hmm. And that is that that's. That's what we're looking for, man. Yeah. Like if we're if we're in there, we can always talk ourselves into doing some bad shit or feeling, or feeling bad about ourselves. Yeah. And fuck, he came close. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a crazy story. I don't think I've ever heard a a, a story that was that close to relapse that didn't actually yeah. happen. That and and I love that that his dad, you know, he was able to talk to his dad that whole trip and like what a what a spiritual moment, mm-hmm. you know, to get through. Like that was fucking hard. Like he, that was not easy for him right. to to do that, and and he did it, you know. And then like the love, the love of our family is just so, you know, for his for his dad to put up his mom and dad to put up the last things that they had. Like they're like, this is all we have, mm-hmm. and they took it. And like he honors that, right? Like that's so big. That's such a big part of my story, you know. Is I honor the help that I was given today mm-hmm. and, and that helps you know, all those things help. Yeah. It's dope. Yeah. It's really like, I, I like what you said. We honor, you know, we honor that help by, by staying clean. Yeah. You know, by, by, by doing what we need to do because it's not easy like for, for those loved ones around us. And I think we had a really good example with him because you know, before his mom detached from him. Yeah, she was know? ready, like... Yeah, and, and you know what? And good on her. Ooh, like, tough. Yeah, those, I mean, those are... Th- that, to me, is a healthy relationship with a, with somebody who can recognize what that alcoholic in their life is doing to them mm-hmm. and really put up the appropriate the appropriate boundaries. Like, of course, he didn't see it like that at the time. Right. And I don't blame him. But like ultimately, it's an act of self-preservation. Because, yeah. yeah, like his whole family has the gift, right? And I love that. I just love <laughs> that, he, that he kept that. calling it a gift. Yeah, I thought he was psychic for a minute. Yeah, I they, love that. They're all psychic. Because what, what, like, like who gets the like mm-hmm. it, such a such a struggle such an opportunity to overcome such a struggle and such an opportunity to live on the other side of a struggle to show how strong of a spirit, how strong we are as, as people to, to find that craving for life and maximize it. It, it really is sure a yeah. gift, you know, to, to not live blindly to the struggles that we have within inside of ourselves and to, to get a program, create a program, to create a life, you know, uh, I could relate with the AA, like, like if, yeah. if, if, if dude didn't open the door on my first, like I walked up 
to the door and I was on my way out and when he opened the door. Just like he was talking, like he pulled up, he watched all the weirdos go in. He's like, fuck all this. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, we yeah. find the reason to not. Yeah. And his dad was like, Yeah. Yep. Yeah, me too. Did that. Yeah. <laughs> and we all have our own sort of similar experience with that. Yeah. Like I really appreciated hearing too. Like, and I think that that's one of the the unique things that I love about getting all these stories is that we get like a little bit of insight into, you know, the way that other people live their lives or were raised. And he was mm -hmm. raised in this hockey culture environment. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was his dream to, to play in the NHL. And he, you know, he, finally got this opportunity where it was looking like that was going to happen for him. And he had to walk away from it because he knew that if he was to stay in that environment, it would mean that he would continue to use and drink. And ultimately that would be his undoing. And I think to be able to walk away from that, like it's one thing to have the courage to get sober. Right. Mm -hmm. But sometimes there really is huge, huge sacrifices that we have to make in order to make that happen, mm -hmm. right? The only thing we have to change is everything. Yeah. And in his case, he literally had a very, very obvious moment where he had to do exactly that. And that involved him packing up his shit, leaving that situation immediately and going home. And like thus driving away for however long he said that drive was 16 hours. I think he said thus driving away from his dream. Yeah. And I think that is the ultimate, you know, like it is one of the biggest sacrifices that, that we can make is to completely change our idea of what our life is supposed to look yeah. like and necessary. I love that, man. I love, you know, I, I've shared this before and I stand next to it. There's nothing more honorable than a man willing to save his own life. Mm. Right. Like there is nothing wrong with you fighting for your own life and sometimes we do that against ourselves and and it's it's quite noble you know because we are loved and we do get dependent on and we likely do have some type of calling in life to help another person somewhere that we don't know about right mm -hmm. and and to maximize this one opportunity that we have and i feel like that's what he's doing like and talking to him like he he's he's a, a pretty high level thinker you know it was really fun to talk to him it was really fun to get his story we chopped it up for a little while before and after kind of getting to know each other and and he shared some of the the things that he does now it, because he refuses to not have fun mm -hmm. like he like you were saying like boredom isn't something that he got sober for he didn't get sober to be bored you know he got sober to have fun and live does live live an amazing life and 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 he has a really creative way of doing that and and being like yeah no that's great that you guys want to go drink but how about how about like we go do this and not drink right right mm -hmm. and it'll be just as fun or funner like like come check it out mm -hmm. you know yeah so it's so great like i, I it's, he's such a great voice for this recovery movement, yeah. especially young people that to be, to have that much time mm -hmm. is huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I, you, you said earlier, but I talked over you. What's his Instagram handle? Uh, Smitty's corner. Isn't there an underscore? I think there there's somewhere? Smitty's underscore corner. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, so he, check him out. You guys, uh, obviously he's, he's a, he's a great voice in this recovery and, and Chris, 
Thank you thank so you. much for sharing your thank story, you. dude. Oh. It was it was amazing. I don't remember you talking over me. Yeah, well, I usually am. So okay, yeah. <laughs> you pick, you pick whatever moment it was. <laughs> no, man. Well, great, man. I really appreciate you showing up and talking oh, about man. boredom with me. This is a yeah. It was hard to talk about boredom. Like, get over it. So, <laughs> I'm a dad now. I'm bored. Huh? I'll give you something. Yeah, to do. I'll give you something to do. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I think. Sometimes we're going to talk about things that uh, that that are abstract or or don't apply to as many people as we might think. But I got a feeling that this one, this one, everybody can identify with. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. You guys tell us what you think. Yeah, um, for sure. And keep in mind, guys, if you want to share your story, you can reach out to us on Instagram at the other side of hell one hundred and one, or email us at the other side of hell at gmail. And as always, you are the most important part of the show. Do not forget. And with that, you are worth the work. We will see you on the other side. Peace. Out. Out.